I think I was a junior in college when I was sitting in one of my religion classes, one of my favorite classes. The sun was coming in, it was a spring day, and I had a seat near the window. And my professor, whom I had great respect and love for, was kind of leaning against the table in the front of the class, and he just started to ask some questions. What if kind of questions about who God is and how God works in the world. And it was as if with each question, my beliefs fell to the ground and shattered into a million pieces. It seemed, in a visual sense, that I was holding a bunch of pottery, each one symbolic of a particular perspective in my faith life. And with each question that he asked, a piece would fall to the ground before I could even recognize it and grasp it to catch it. And as it fell, it shattered into a million pieces. I remember that day, as I got into the car and Michael and I were headed over to Walmart, a 20-minute drive across the prairie lands of southern Illinois, I said to him in a flippant and cynical way that revealed my pain, well, everything I believed in today was destroyed. How was your day? It was a crisis of faith. We see a crisis of faith in our gospel lesson today. A crisis of faith happens when that which you believe comes directly in relationship with the reality that you experience, and when they can't address one another, you find yourself in crisis. Some very things that you thought were for certain become fragile and maybe even broken, and you wonder where to start from here. This is what we see in our gospel lesson today. It takes the entire ninth chapter of John's gospel. I don't even know why they bother putting 1-41 after the colon, because it's the entire chapter. Here we see Jesus and his disciples entering into a village, and they encounter a man born blind. And the disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Because their faith says to them that the righteous have good blessings in their lives. Blindness would not be something that would come to someone who lived a righteous life. And so they questioned Jesus about who it is that sinned. And Jesus tells them, nobody sinned, neither this man nor his parents. What will happen now, he says to his disciples, is God's glory will be revealed. A crisis of faith occurs, not only for the disciples, but then for the man who is healed. He encounters Jesus, and that's how he recognizes him at the beginning. But when the Pharisees come to him and ask him how it is that this has taken place, he has to give some type of answer for who it is that has made him able to see. He tells them that Jesus is a prophet, an idea that they can wrap their heads around. But you see, the religious leaders are also having their own faith crisis. Because they know that if you are a devoted Jewish person, then you keep the laws of the Torah as an exercise, a demonstration of your faithfulness. And here it is that this Jesus has healed on the Sabbath, blatantly dismissing one of the commandments that indicates his faithfulness to God. So surely he's not the Messiah. Someone who is of God would not dismiss the law. 
And so they too are having a crisis of faith. When this man is questioned yet again after his parents have dismissed their responsibility in this interrogation, he again gives an answer. He starts to say, well, surely this man is from God because God doesn't listen to sinners. And never in all of all time have we heard about someone who's able to make a blind person able to see. And so he begins to recognize that Jesus is of God. And in the end, when he is cast out, when he is sent into exile from the community, he finds Jesus again and recognizes him as his own Lord. This crisis of faith, a breaking open of who each person understands God to be, of, who, of how people understand God to be working in the world, this happens to all of us. And I found myself in the days after that particular class, surrounded by the remnants of the beliefs that had gotten me to where I was, that I had to figure out what could be salvaged. I'm sure that among the rubble, there was something about this idea that if I lived a good life, everything would turn out okay. That was among the shattered pieces. I'm sure that among the rubble was also some sense of evil in the world and how it operates and whether it is real or something that I could keep at bay, that too had fallen to my feet. I was only left with Jesus. I considered briefly whether I might pick up the pieces that, my, that were around my feet and restructure them. How big were the chunks, in a sense, to create this pottery? And it occurred to me that even if I was able to glue it all back together, it would be just as vulnerable to breaking again at some future date. So, through the process of being in that class, my faith began to open up, and I realized that that which I had built around me to hold it all together, I didn't need. That I was more free and more grounded by letting go of some of the structures that I had thought were the summation of what it was to follow Jesus. A crisis of faith does that for us. It helps us shed some of that th those things that we hold so dearly that we're certain or what it is that's the summation of who Christ is in the world and how God operates in the world. But it is hard and painful work. It isn't quick. It calls us, though, again and again into the community as we are held together and we capture and explore the fullness of who God is in Christ, something bigger than we had originally thought. In the 10th chapter of John, Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. I'm sure that's why we have Psalm 23 assigned for our lectionary reading today, and even our Old Testament scripture about the calling of David, who was a shepherd and was the author of the 23rd Psalm. In John 10, Jesus is telling those that are hearing him that he has come to draw people to himself. And that we learn to recognize his voice as sheep learn to recognize the voice of a shepherd. He talks about his provision for his flock and how he will care for them. And he even talks about his impending death. And as you know, that doesn't fit into the structure of what a Messiah would be. Jesus comes into our lives 
wanting to break us open to see the fullness of who God is, life abundant, that goes beyond the structures that we have carefully crafted of who it is the Messiah is in our lives and how it is that God operates in this world. And that is hard work. So we come together in community on a regular basis. I think weekly helps to remember who it is that Christ is and to discover in new ways who Christ is making himself known to be in our lives and in the world so that we can see the fullness of what it means to follow Jesus. Beyond some of the simple phrases, beyond some of the certain structures, those very things that are challenged by the reality that we face. For Christ calls us and following him into an abundant life. It won't be what we thought, but it will be freer and fuller. It will be more rooted and more liberating than anything that we've had before. Let us learn in, to, in relationship with one another what this looks like so that we might experience what God is inviting us into as followers of Christ. Amen. <laughs>